and welcome to Heart to Heart, a podcast from your local charity, Northern Ireland Chest, Heart and Stroke. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and in this podcast, we'll be speaking to survivors, supporters and friends of Northern Ireland Chest, Heart and Stroke about their real experiences of living with chest, heart and stroke conditions. And we'll be hearing more about the work Northern Ireland Chest, Heart and Stroke are doing to lead the fight against these diseases. Today's episode is a music special. I'll be speaking to Andrew McMurdy. He's a 20-year-old singer-songwriter from Armagh who was struck down by COVID-19 earlier this year and completely lost his power of speech for a time, but incredibly not his singing voice. And we're thrilled to also be joined by country music legend Philomena Begley. Philomena had heart surgery two years ago and has used NICHS services to help her recovery. We're also joined by Gillian Thompson, who is Head of Cardiac Services at Northern Ireland Chest Heart and Stroke. So you're very welcome and I'm a wee bit starstruck here, Philomena, today. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's a pleasure to oh, have you Oh, don't be, not here. with me anyway. Well, you're as lovely as they, as they said you would be. Oh, thank um, you. But you've had your own personal difficulties in this last couple of years. I That's mean, right. How, uh, talk us through what actually well, happened. Well, what happened was I, I was told way back a few years ago, you know, that I was having a bit, I was a bit breathless and I was told that I might have to get a stent in. But as the years went on, uh, you know, it was just getting, they would check me, give me a check up every year or so. But there was one day I, I got, I got one night I went to bed and I got this uh, heartbeat. My heart was pounding and scared the life out of me. And I got up and I, I walked, I didn't know what to do. I, I panicked and I, I went, I, eventually I went into my husband and I said, I, 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 was, I went out of the room and up to the kitchen and back down again. And I said, I, I, I don't feel well. And this, uh, my friend that she was in another room, which a girl Rose that lives has been living with us for forty four years. Uh, I got her. I told her, would she, you know, call the doctor for me? So uh, then we called the ambulance, and we she took me to the town of War roundabout in Dungannon, and there was a, a paramedic there with a. The gear, so he wired me up on on the Tamnamore roundabout until the ambulance arrived, and uh, I was brought into the hospital. And uh, well, they just—I think they—I can't, can't remember much about it because I was panicking, if you know what I mean. But anyway, they they, they gave me medication and it kind of slowed it down a bit. So they kept me in for a couple of days, and um, then they kept me in, I think, for about three days. And they did tests on me, and uh, I was thinking maybe they would be looking. This stent must be the time for this stent to go in. But when the doctor came round to me, he says, Philomena, he says, Are you aware that you're going to have to get a valve in? And of course, I, I was lucky I didn't take a heart attack at the time. <laughs> but anyway, uh, after you know a few weeks, I got the tests all done, and I got word to go in for my operation. But the doctor, that the surgeon that was doing my operation uh, in the Royal, he had said that he might be fit to do keyhole. But uh, when I wakened up, 
I, I think it was, I, I'd lost. I, I'm telling everybody I had gained a cleavage. <laughs> oh, you knew it certainly wasn't keyhole. And it definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't keyhole. Maybe no, it's better said, that you didn't they know. got in and the same, you know. What is that like at that moment? Because you oh, know we hear about people having heart unreal. surgery every single day, but the fear. But I tell you what it is: it's when you're when you're brought down to the down to the theatre, and they're all there's I don't know many. You know, it seems like dozens of people around you, and they're plugging, putting pluggers into you, and and you know they're, there's everybody's doing their own thing, and they're lying there. I swear to God, it made it. But by good luck, then they give me a wee job, so. It you didn't was, know much more no, about it. I didn't it. know much about it. The only thing that I do remember of them taking me off the bed that I was in and putting me on the operating table. I remember that. It reminded me at the time that I had the baby, my oh. first child. <laughs> and yes. that's after that. And that was scary too. I didn't know nothing after that. But anyway, when we came back on, uh, the next day, but in fairness now, I was very, very lucky. You know, through the whole thing, you know, I didn't really need anybody to help me or anything. I was able to do everything, you know, was able to go to the bathroom and, uh, you know, wash my own, myself and stuff like that there. I didn't, and, and uh, to be honest, it was a very successful operation. The only unfortunate thing about it was that afterwards I got an infection and it lasted for a good while now from, uh, I had the operation in May and it was September before it was really, uh, you know, and I really got, because I was in and out of the hospital a few times with this infection in lung, my chest, you know. So that was, that was awful for you because, you know, you'd come through what you thought was going to be the hardest part and, and then quite often, as is the case. That was afterwards. the unfortunate part and, you know, I would, I remember one day I went up to Bundoran and I thought it was okay and my son-in-law, by good luck, he was he's paramedic and he, he, uh, Brought me, well, he took me to Enniskillen because Sligo would have been probably handier, but he reckoned if they kept me Enniskillen, it would be handier for me from home. <laughs> so uh, I was in there for a week. So again, then as time went on, uh, coming up to September, I was supposed to be going to Spain with Declan and Ernie that same year for a week. But uh, I it was tucked up again. I had to go into the hospital and I was in A&E &E and then they came and asked me if I would be interested in, in acute care coming out to the house. So I thought I said I would surely, it would be great. Can you explain so I had them, I had them out, they came out for, they were there for, I think eight days, seven I think, but eight days it was actually. And they came out, and honest to God, it was the best thing. And like, that's what cleared the whole thing up for me because they would come out three times a day. They would come out morning and afternoon and the evening, and they would give me an injection, you know, the antibiotic. And then there was a, there was a physios came out, and there was a doctor. And like, you know, we had the best of care. I'd never seen anything like it. Absolutely, the staff were brilliant, every one of them, and they. Did, you know, after that, that I had all that uh, care, and it, I never looked behind. I never had a, nothing since. Didn't even have a coat. Isn't that wonderful that Honestly, you had that I offered really, to that, you? That care was and shows you with the it NHS does. too when you really need mm. it. You know, and to have had that. And in you your know, own I, home. I, they did. You know, everything. They, they came out and did the physio on me, and 
then there was another nice, the only man that there was there, but he was a nice fella, I'll tell you that. He was <laughs> sorting me out, sorting my lungs out. Okay. <laughs> to get me to do my well, breathing. Need, we need to get your lungs well again. And you, I mean, if you talk about the your confidence, because you've performed in front of so many people in your life. Um, you're used to getting up there. You're used to, you know, feeling the fear, so to speak. And, and oh, no, yeah, it changes your... Does it? Does it? I'll tell you, it changes you altogether when you go in. Like, the times that I was really in and out of the hospital, even in a and &E, I would have been in and out a good few times. But and honestly, to, to see what the, the, them nurses and doctors are doing in there, it's unbelievable. And it doesn't matter who you it are, who you how much are, money you have, all know. of those things. And you're so vulnerable uh -huh. and you have to put your trust in... Oh, I'll tell you, it's un unreal, but they were all so, so good. I couldn't... Uh, say good enough about them to be honest and what about northern ireland chest heart and stroke i understand oh so they're brilliant i did <laughs> went to, to uh, dungannon i took a wee while for them to occur uh, I, I remember i can see i've got a brain uh, you know uh, before i'll forget again beth and and there's another the girl i can't her name won't come to my mind but the, two, the girls and and the chest heart and stroke and dungannon they were absolutely fantastic and like there was about there would have been about uh, seven or eight of us, you know, different people with, you know, heart complaints and stroke and whatever. And every, and then we would do all our exercises and the crack was good in it too. So what did you have to do? Well, uh, well, <laughs> we had to, well, all the, well, we were on the on bikes, we were on walk, walking up steps and down steps, and we had to walk the way down the corridor and up again. And, you know, just do all the exercises that you, that you wouldn't normally do at home. And how did you feel before you went there? Most people think, oh no, Actually, no what am I, I going I would, to? To be honest, like, you know, I probably could have said I was a bit lazy about doing anything, you know, because I, they advised me to walk and do things like that, and I wasn't really doing that. But on this thing, the, 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 the chest, heart and stroke, it was brilliant, like, because I had to do all the things. I had to do them, yeah. if you know what I mean. And you, have you kept it up? And I, well, I wouldn't say that uh, I would need to, I would need to go back again, but I did. Um, I do. I've joined a walking group there recently, but I have missed a few since. But I would, to tell you, I'll be honest, it's it does help. And how are you feeling now? Because I'm good. I have to say that I'm that I'm good now. But I did. I wasn't too good, you know, during the, the lockdown. You know, to be honest, I did. You know, got a few wee panic attacks and. Well, I'm sure that must happen and I'm sure it's really common and I'll probably talk to you, Gillian, in just a second about that. But um, you can't possibly go through what you've been through without I, that oh, anxiety. It was, it was terrible. I, I, I just, one day, that girl that actually that took me in to, to the hospital, she had been, like I said, was a good friend. There's a long story attached to it, but she was a friend and she was living with us, Rose, and she... Uh, actually dead but we got her dead in bed one morning with a massive heart attack oh. she was only she was 65 that's only a year ago our anniversary was there in july but um, that was terribly upsetting for you and given all you'd been through yourself uh -huh. but then after that then sort of uh, there was friends and that we lost no none of them were COVID or other but uh, after that then um I get a mixed, I'm getting my, my wires crossed here a wee bit. 
Am I getting a wee bit emotional? I'm sure. Don't worry. Take your time. And um, I'm sure COVID itself made you feel I would, um, nervous. Oh, I'd, I know. I'd, I'd put surely to God, but it's just, it, it, it's, uh, it, takes, it, took, it took a lot out of me. But I, there was one night that I went down to the bedroom and there was just me and my husband in the house and I thought I was taking a stroke. And I was unsure. I was so sure that it was, I, I had no breath, couldn't get a breath. And I rang my daughter-in-law and she came over and we were going about the house because she was looking for a, brown, a paper bag. You know the things that you do. To breathe in and out. But then anyway, uh, again, my, my son-in-law came to the rescue again. He phone calling. He said, just get the ambulance out. So they came out. But then they said that they kind of an idea of what it was, it was, but on account of my heart, they decided they would take me in and do a checkup. And that brought me into the hospital then. I think you always have to check if uh -huh. you have any, uh -huh. any concerns at all. But then uh, they, whenever... The, that, that night in A&E again, they came up to me and said that they thought this was what I was having. And my daughter, by the way, she had it, but I never realised what she was going through. I used to tell her, I used to say to her, you know, you need to pull yourself together. <laughs> you know, whenever she would, she would panic. She, she, took her, she went into the hospital too when they took children in Ireland and they took them out of bed. You know, but again... It's real, it's physiological, it's not, you feel I, it. I don't think people realise what it is till they have it. It's awful. It's the awfulest experience I ever had in my life. It was worse than the operation, to tell you the truth. And like, you know, for the times, you know, it, it, it happened to me a few times, you know, since, you know, I would still, I would still really be getting me, I just pulled myself out of it. Well, that's, uh, there are ways to help manage it. There well, I do. think it's up to yourself, you see. And then again, I, that was that used. I was always working. I was working a lot and singing all the time. And then all of a sudden, I was just taken away from everything. And I wasn't getting out anywhere or doing anything. So quite an ordeal and, you know, a real shock. But Gillian, if I bring you in at this point now, uh, Philomena has, has outlined all she's been through. And as we said before, physically, and mentally, and we can't underestimate um, what it does to somebody mentally when you go through something and confidence gets knocked and anxiety is a real thing. Absolutely, I think, you know, everybody understands and knows to get the medical help and, and that very much is our message to get that medical help in the first instance. But it's sort of when the dust settles that whenever things sort of settle down a wee bit that you sort of realise how it has actually affected you um, and just as you say it's it's mentally and physically um, and really our message I suppose is is there is support available and that's what we try to do is that emotional support that listening ear um, for some people that might just be a bit of advice uh, for others it's sort of helping them understand their condition so a bit more knowledge maybe um, but I suppose the big thing is that to not go through it on your own that um, it, a problem shared is a problem halved, as people say, but um, it very much is about talking about how you're feeling because there will be support available to and you. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's so common as well. That's the thing. The more we talk and the more we share, the better it is for, for people. Um, Philomena also talked about some services that she availed of. These were your family support services. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so for anyone um, living in Northern Ireland with a chest, heart or stroke condition, really the first thing that we would 
the first contact that they would have with us is with one of our family support coordinators. So that's someone who would phone them, um, go out and visit them when we're allowed to visit again, um, and actually meet people in their own homes and have a chat about how they are, how things are for them. Um, and really what that is about is getting the right support that they need at that time. So that support is available to the person who's got a condition, but it's also to the family, as the name suggests, it's, it's everybody. Um, and really that could be a one-off visit or phone call, or it could be long-term support. Um, and some of the services that Philomena mentioned, so we do have programs, uh, we have online programs of support, of education, um, we have uh, programs and services out in the community as well. Um, and just as Philomena described, that peer support, meeting other people um, who are in exactly the same position. A bit of crack, as you oh, say. That's, right. oh, that's right, uh -huh. <laughs> bit um, of fun but just really linking in with other people who totally understand uh, what you're going through. And you've also got a, a walking group that's starting up, which again, you like your walking, Philomena? <laughs> yes, we do. So we have um, walking groups uh, in a lot of our services, but in our cardiac services, um, that's we call those our stay strong walking groups. Um, so yes, they're going to be starting in the community and um, across Northern Ireland. And fitness is so important. We know that, but sometimes, you know, it's very difficult to get suddenly back into the gym or on an exercise bike. But walking a little bit, if you can, is probably as good as anything you can do. I think it's very overwhelming, especially for people who maybe have never exercised at all. I mean, we all know we're supposed to, but we don't always make the time for it. So whenever you're told you have to, it can be very daunting. So we really start small, you know, so we don't overwhelm people with a load of, of things to do. Um, and we build it up and all our um, advice and our programs are all designed to be things that you can do in your own home. You don't need any special equipment, um, but it's just really giving you that confidence to do it on your own. And society needs to understand that too as well. When somebody has experienced a chest, heart, or indeed a stroke, I suppose, problem or condition or related condition, um, you know, people say, oh, well, they weren't fit or they didn't do this or they were overweight. There's terrible judgment around, you know, oh, they smoked or oh, they did this. But actually, you know, it's never too late to try and get a little tiny bit of fitness in, into your life. Absolutely not. And um, it very much is. It's misunderstood, really. Um, and as you say, there can be a lot of judgment attached to that. Um, and really, I suppose our message is just one step at a time, really. We just we just um, advised and support people to where they are um, and do what they can. And as I say, it is that confidence. And sometimes it can get quite competitive as well in our groups. You know, people uh, like to sort of, but they like to see their progress. Um, the goals, actually, setting little goals. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and by the end, I mean, a lot of our services run in kind of six or 12 weeks. Um, and there's not a person at the end of those six or 12 weeks who can't see their progress, and, and that's a real confidence boost. So. That's amazing. There too, you know, every so often we get we get letter, you know, we get the wee package from the chest, heart, and stroke. I get them every, well, and then and there's always something in it like to, that you can do and the exercises, you know, for you to do. That's brilliant. So it's not just it doesn't just stop there. And if you're interested in flowers or, or planting anything, there's a whole lot of wee different things, and they're great wee packages, you know. They're, and it's amazing when you when you know that 90% of all of the monies that go into chest, heart and stroke are raised by the public. So, you know, they depend on... But it's on great, but right enough, I, this, but I, you know, them wee letters that come, come out, you know, are great. Yeah. You know, because they give you, and, and if you were into 
doing puzzles or anything like that. Always something to keep your keep your mind right, like if you know what I mean. And you wouldn't really really do it, you know. Otherwise, you wouldn't know about it. Sound of now because I would be interested in the exercises and things and that there. Not that I would do them all the time, to be well, honest. But you look fantastic. Again, you like you really do. Need are, you, to, are you singing again? Are you still singing? Well, at the minute, I it, it's it's not. We're not doing an awful lot. I'm getting an odd thing now and again. But that's the one thing too. You know, like I was doing that for fifty nine years, and after fifty nine years, just to be locked up, like really, and it, it's it, that took its toll on me too. And uh, but the singing, you know, it, it was good for me too because it was very good. Like I remember the the the, uh, the surgeon that done my operation, and even though I had the, got an infection and that, but he told me I had a great pair of lungs. He said because I, you know, I would sing from here, you know, I would, the diaphragm. Is uh, that what they? Yeah. I would sing uh, belt belter. Belter right. You know, I'm right <laughs> enough. I really ne that's the first time ever I had really any problems. You know, with when when I got just that got that infection, just was on. Fortunate I got it. So do you think singing can help with recovery? Oh God, it would. Oh, that big time. Like, I'll be honest, I, I hadn't been singing for a while and uh, the first time that I went out, I'll be honest, I was really, really nervous. I thought I was going to take one of them panic attacks again, but I stand at the side of the stage and I said, oh God, I'll never, I don't, th I thought, what will I do if, if I, I hit the stage and I swear to God, it was like a tonic. Oh, is that right? I swear, I, 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 it was the best medicine I ever could get. And that's why I don't intend to retire. <laughs> no, well, we hope that you don't. And do you know, Andrea is sitting very patiently beside you and there's two fantastic guests that we have in the studio today. But Andrea's story is completely different and, you know, equally frightening as well. Yeah, so crazy. Yeah. Andrew, you COVID mm -hmm. at the start of the year yes. and something horrendous happened to you. You lost the ability to speak. Yeah. Your speech has now returned, but mm -hmm. just tell us your experience. So I, I took COVID on uh, the 17th of January and on the 10th day of that, I slept pretty much the whole day and uh, I woke up and my speech was a wee bit slurred. I says to my ma, you know, my speech is a wee bit slurred and she, you know, just says, you're tired, you have nothing to eat, go, go to bed and see how you are tomorrow. Uh, so I woke up on the 11th day then and I was missing like words out of a sentence, like I would be able to conversate, but I was just not getting my full message through and it kept on deteriorating and um, then I went to Kurgavin through a whole rigmarole because I was just over COVID. So I couldn't go straight to Kurgavin. So I had to go to Dungannon to, so that the COVID ward got, got the all clear there. And then I went to Kurgavin and pretty much every minute that passed, like my speech was getting worse and worse. And by nine o'clock that night, I was up on the ward and I was communicating with post-it notes. And yeah, it was. And what was going through your mind at the time? It was. It was very frightening. Uh, I, I. It didn't really like. It didn't all really um, kick in until the next day, where I started that day with no speech. Nothing. Nothing. All, all I could do was whistle, and yeah, it was. Yeah, it was scary. Like I couldn't even sing at that point. So. Yeah. 
I'm sure singing was probably the last thing that you felt like doing, but what were the doctors and nurses saying? What, what were the medics saying? Well, the, the first, the first um, uh, so I arrived, when I arrived in Kirkavon, right, they were testing me for like strokes. I, I think I got like tested for a stroke like five times before I got even up onto the ward, you know, with the whole like face thing and whatnot. And I, I, I still, like every doctor that saw me afterwards was still checking me for a stroke. You know, uh, but on the 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 twelfth, yeah, the twelfth day, uh, the doctor came and said, uh, "Have you ever heard of like a functional problem?" And I was like, "Never, right?" And that wasn't really uh, brought up. That that it was only brought up that first time that the first like consultant that actually saw me mentioned a, a functional problem. So there will be lots of people watching this now who have never heard of that either. What yeah. is a functional problem? Yeah, well, it's, um, it's a functional neurological disorder and it can affect you in many different ways. It was just me personally, it was my speech. And um, yeah, you can have like numbness in your arm or just anything that you can think of that your brain needs to like function can actually be affected by it, you know? It's really, really crazy, yeah. And do you know what causes that? So the virus has caused this or triggered it? It's, it's quite complicated. Like the causation isn't really pinpointed. But what they do know is it happens after trauma. So after trauma, you know, a functional problem can... Were you very occur. ill with COVID? I actually wasn't that bad. That, that, that's, that's the crazy thing because I've been in, in and out of hospital like all my life, right? I've had pretty much everything under the sun. In, uh, in 2020, I had uh, myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart. And that's probably what connects me to chest, heart and stroke, you know? So, um, yeah, I've, I've had everything, but COVID, I was very scared of getting it, of course, just because my immune system's terrible. I need an upgrade, but... <laughs> but uh, so I, what happened then? You'd no speech. Doctors and nurses were telling you this functional problem. Did they say you'd be able to speak again? Well, it was 50-50. You know, it was, it was still up in the air. And uh, so I spent five days in hospital and um, I, I got my, my speech back on the Tuesday night. And I, I was um, brushing my teeth. And I have this habit, I don't know if you have it, Philomena, but uh, whenever I'm brushing my teeth, I would always sing. And I kind of just give up. No, no it's, just, it's just me, okay. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I would have, you know, I would sing a song, but I kind of just gave up on singing, right? So I was humming it. I was like, okay, let me, let me just try this. So I started singing Moon River. And um, the way that that song actually got stuck in my head, there was a nurse and on the night round, she would sing Moon River up and down the halls. Yeah, and just with like the, the echoes like through the halls, it was beautiful, beautiful. So how long were you actually in hospital for? Uh, f yeah, five days. Five days. Five days. Um, Came out the speech in the was coming back, but was, it wasn't back fully at all. Oh, you know God. I mean? You've really yeah. only just recovered and how, what, we're, we're now nearly nine months on, eight months on. Yeah, um, my, my speech came back as like a really extreme stutter, like it was, yeah. It was very hard to like communicate, and um, but I, I, when I came out on the Wednesday, I came out on a, in a three-piece suit. I, I uh, 
My, my ma rang me and she was like, okay, what, what do you want to, to bring in? Do you want a like, track suit? Do you want jeans or jumper? I was like, uh, can I have a suit? <laughs> I'm coming out in style. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that, that, that's uh, what Moon River is like. I'm crossing you in style someday, right? And yeah, I did. I came out. There's always a very classy dresser too. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Yeah, so you two know each other, but we're going to come to that in a little minute. So we'll continue with your story, Andrew, because... You know, you've, you've been seriously affected by your experience with COVID. You're a singer-songwriter. Um, and amazingly, the, the, the singing kept going. Mm -hmm. So it came back. So you found that you could sing perfectly. Yeah. Uh, the, the singing came back before, like, the speech 100% came back. I was singing when I still had, like, an extreme stoppage, you know. And... Um, and, and I, like me personally, I, I think it's like maybe helped out my singing, like losing my speech, because I focus more on like what is what it actually is coming out of my mouth. Remembering the words, yeah, and the meaning. Into yes, them. Yeah. exactly. And you know. So how did you? You seem brilliant today. Um, who helped you with your recovery? A uh, Claire. Uh, I don't know if I can say her, her last name, but Claire in uh, speech and language uh, therapy. She helped me a lot, like a crazy amount. Like she, she, she saw me from like the first day walking in till what I have now. You wow! Know? And can you believe the journey that you've been on? It, it's quite, it's quite crazy. It's, it's definitely a, a story to tell the, the grandkids whenever I have them. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> have the kids first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, 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 we did that thing in Dungannon. How long ago since we? Did that, that? that was. It was like the first or second, or maybe even third of May. So you two have joined forces to raise money. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we did the concert, and he wasn't talking. Yeah, all, yeah, but he was singing. Yeah, I wasn't it, talking. It, so what did you sing. think when you met him? He's quiet. He wasn't talking, and I couldn't mm -hmm. believe it. The mm -hmm. next thing, Hugo Duncan, we were Hugo was there mm -hmm, too. Mm -hmm. Hugo does a lot of a lot of work too for for the chest, heart, and stuff. Yes. But. Uh, I couldn't believe it when he started to sing. Mm -hmm. And I thought Kugel was only taking a hand out of me, to tell you the truth. He says, you know, we can't, he can't, uh, he can't talk. Mm -hmm. And then the next time, <laughs> the next time I seen him, he was out, he came out to my house there a couple mm -hmm. of weeks, a few, or a month or so ago. Yes. And he, he was talking away and, and I passed no remarks for, for a good while. And I thought, <laughs> and then his mum says, um, she says, he's doing well now, he's talking. And I, I, I couldn't believe it then. It didn't, it didn't dawn on me. Yeah, it didn't click. He was talking away and it suddenly dawned on me. Good God, when maybe he speeds mm -hmm. back to yeah. square one of you. Yeah, and it was difficult for people to like, like, un understand. I, I went sing. out to the door yeah. to, to let, you know, he knocked the door and I went out. Mm -hmm. So you two joined forces. Um, yeah. And you've, been, you've produced a record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, your health is your wealth. Your health is your wealth. Which and it absolutely is. It, it, yeah. And your chest, yeah. heart and stroke is absolutely so important to you. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, of course. Cause I recorded that song too, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the, the guy... Um, well, you know, a new kid in town, Philip. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah, he is a big hit for the, the guy that, that, that wrote it, Jared Dornan, um, he, uh, he's had like so many, but um, I think I'm... Um, 
Like the youngest to record it. Is that right? Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. I own the singers. Uh, yeah, like, singers. like a lot of people. Uh, Mike Denver has it recorded. Mm -hmm. and, and Daniel O'Donnell has it recorded. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. But you're raising money with the sale of this. So yes. how's it all been going? It's been going fantastically. Yeah, I, I, you know, no complaints at all. It's, it's like um, a, a, lot of, a lot of money for a very worthy cause, you know, and... Um, it's, it's just good to give back because Jurd contacted me when I was in hospital and uh, he says, whenever you're up and ready to go, you know, you can record this song in my studio. And I was like, fantastic. And since it was given to me, there was no point like me profiting off that. So I decided to give it back. It's amazing. You know? Gillian, once again, you know, this is a completely different story, a very unusual story, but... I suppose with chest, heart and stroke, you would see people who lose the power of speech a lot. Is speech and language therapy a big part of the services you provide? Um, we actually work in partnership with the Stroke Association. So they have a speech and language service that we would refer into. Um, so we very much work in partnership together. Um, but you're absolutely right. Speech problems, particularly um, associated with stroke, um, uh, would be a big problem. And obviously in our respiratory service as well, just what you're talking about there, really, the sort of um, that power as well um, behind your, your voice. So we actually have an um, Inspire Choir because um, we recognise that the sort of benefits to singing as well. Um, so it's not just for people who have a respiratory condition, it's also for, um, for, for anyone really. And it can actually improve just a bit like what Philomena was saying, you know, good, good pair of strong lungs on her from years of singing. Um, and really it is, it, it really, the health benefits are, are huge. Obviously the connection and the joy really that, that singing brings, um, but there really are physical benefits to that as well. And just even helping, especially with breathlessness as well, to actually be able to hold, hold a note, um, there's huge benefits to it. So we have a choir that um, can help with that. And the breathing techniques used in singing, I see that treat, that, that's a good treatment for long COVID and things. Now. Oh, that's, so, oh, that's, um, how did you manage during the pandemic with the choir? So we were able to put it online, believe it or not. So um, we're hoping we'll be able to get back into the community. But our choir has actually grown um, during COVID um, and we have many people online. And we have a job. I was, <laughs> I was going to say you might be the star yeah, turn yeah, at the we, choir. We hired me and Philip. We would be delighted to have you. That would be a guest appearance, but um, absolutely. So yeah, it's actually grown over COVID and we it maybe started in our respiratory services, but um, it's open to, to anyone with a chest, heart or stroke condition. Um, and it meets uh, quite regularly. As I say, we hope to be able to get back in the community and actually get everybody together. Um, but it's that social connection. We were able to do that even during a pandemic. So. Well, as we know, your health is your wealth, but absolutely the singing and the music and the joy that it brings is so important. I'm afraid we've run out of time, guys. It's been fantastic to have you here in our vodcast. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you, Philomena. Yeah, Thank you, Andrew. You. And, uh, you know, keep singing, keep performing. And maybe, do. you know, and the next any... Inspire Choir will have yeah, to start. Yeah, Inspire Choir. There's anything that I can do for you, and Andrew the same there, if we... Yeah. Give us a shout. Mm -hmm. You've given so much over the years and, and Andrew does so much for chest, heart and stroke and 
the money definitely goes to a good cause. Absolutely. I'm very grateful for it. So thank you and thank you for watching at home. We hope to bring you more vodcast episodes in the future. So keep an eye out on Northern Ireland Chest Heart and Stroke. Look out on their YouTube, Facebook, Instagram or Twitter to find out when the next episodes are expected. So take care of yourselves. Remember your health is your wealth. We'll see you next time, hopefully.